Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And again, I'm sliding into first to get the program done. But I've done a lot of research on a lot of different topics uh, this this last week. Uh, not that I had so much extra time on my hands, but I had a lot more questions coming at me. I've, I've got a stack of emails I'm supposed to answer uh, the important thing is that people need to have these conversations with the network, with the people around them, with the people as close to them as possible. And that's the way people get closer. When you sacrifice your own vanity and pride and talk with people who may not agree with you, may be critical of what you think, and you, but you sacrifice your pride and vanity to have those conversations with a Christ-like intent because you genuinely care about others as much as you care about yourself. You will progress closer to the kingdom. That's what you're supposed to be seeking is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. By doing that, then by simply writing me <laughs> and expecting me to answer your questions. I'm not really answering anybody's real question, which is, what is the kingdom of God and how do I get into it? How do I get God to hear my voice? Because he says, God prophesies through his prophets that I will not hear you in your day of tribulation. Why would God say that? Because you would not listen to him. And it's amazing the amount of evidence that is right there in the biblical text that everybody should be able to hear, but can't hear, can't see. Why? Because they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth. They can't handle the truth. And why can't they handle the truth? Is because they got too much pride and vanity. Vanity. This is how people who want to manipulate you manipulate you. Is they get you to commit to doing something that doesn't make any sense. This is how hypnosis works. Hypnosis is to get you off, uh, to get you to step, to move, to react contrary to what you know is true in little ways and then build upon the fact that your vanity will not let you admit that you gave in in the little way until they get you to give in into big ways. And so you'll put the wrong shoes on the wrong feet and you'll say that it feels more comfortable. This is what they do in some of the hypnotic... uh, Hypnotist shows, they get you to, you know, bark like a dog and do crazy things because they got you to do things that are just a little crazy. And and once they get you to do that, then you won't go back and admit that you did contrary to what you thought was right. They have to start with something little. 
And then they build on that until they can tell you the big lie and you'll continue to believe it. They get you to raise your right hand and say, Heil Hitler. And uh, they'll do it by shaming you. If you don't raise your hand and say, Heil Hitler, they'll shame you and uh, you'll say, well, I'll just go along to get along so that I don't get into trouble with everybody. I don't really believe it, but I'll just go along to get along. And then before you know it, you're loading boxcars. <laughs> and you're sending people off to uh, concentration camps. Most of the people that died in concentration camps, whether they were gassed or just worked to death or died of dysentery or lack of medical attention, lack of nutri- uh, nutritious food, or just the fear and oppression of a concentration camp. I mean, there's no two ways about it. There were... Uh, Lots and lots of different concentration camps, and lots and lots of people went to those concentration camps, and lots and lots of people died in those concentration camps. The same as lots of people died in ghettos, that where people were moved to ghettos. And yeah, they picked on Jews, and they picked on gypsies. There were a lot less gypsies around than there were Jews, and they, they, they killed a lot of gypsies. But they picked on dissidents. I mean, we have the historical record of them putting dissidents in jail. But the Germans were pikers compared to the Russians. Russians killed a lot more people. They they sent them to an, an entire area of their nation called Siberia, which was just a massive concentration camp. They didn't have to build as much wire fences because if you escaped the camp, you died in the wilderness. And millions died in the wilderness, the road of bones, all that stuff. And then, of course, the Chinese outdid the Russians, and that millions upon millions of people died there. And, of course, you know, you can go to the Ukraine, and the Ukraine, uh, when they, Stalin took the food away from the Ukrainians, which was the breadbasket of the Soviet Union, though the people starved by the millions. I mean, they piled them up like cordwood. They didn't even need a concentration camp. They just took all their food away. That's man's inhumanity to man. And they had, you can read the stories. Solzhenitsyn writes lots of stories about, you know, like islands where they put people on islands. And they they didn't even need guards. People killed themselves out there on that island. And ate each other at times. And uh, th- that's his history, but people don't know that, and that's why people are still advocating communism and socialism, is that socialism breeds a weak people that can be manipulated. And how do you manipulate them to the extent where you have enough people to guard the fences is that you hypnotize them. And the way you hypnotize them, again, is to get them to believe and act upon a belief that doesn't make any sense to them. They know it doesn't make any sense to them. They know it's ridiculous, but they do it anyway just to go along to get along. And once they've established that road, that path in their minds, then you just get them to do something even crazier. You know, like get people to wear masks to stop a virus. And... Of course, masks can't stop a virus. Oh, they can spot, stop a little bit of spit that might come out of your mouth when you're talking. You know, reciting Peter Piper, pick a peck of pickle peppers. Uh, you might uh, send out uh, some uh, little tiny droplets. But most people don't get viruses from droplets. They get it from an aerosol that comes out of your breath. And that passes right through uh, a mask. 
masks are used in surgery to prevent contamination of open surgical wounds uh, by bacteria. Viruses are everywhere. You have millions of viruses in your body right now. Millions of millions and millions of exosomes, which are the basically what a virus is in your body right now. You also have all kinds of ideas in your mind that are not true. You you know them. You can list off, I don't believe this, I don't believe that, I don't believe this, I don't believe that. Those are all ideas in your mind, but you don't believe them. So And you don't act upon them. You don't act like they're real. And so, therefore, they, they don't have that viral nature. You know, if you have a virus in your body, if you breathe it in and your body doesn't replicate it, you're not going to get sick. And if your body knows not to replicate it, you're just not, not going to replicate it. Now, maybe there's some little part of your body that has not got the message. Some little T-cell has not got the message. And it replicates it. And you get a little sick. But the rest of your body knows, and so it notifies your body to stop doing that, and you get well real quick. And you're asymptomatic. Well, there's a lot of ideas in your head that ain't so. They're not true. You're not acting upon them, so they're not really a threat. But they're not so. But if somebody's really clever, they can lean upon those ideas that aren't true. And get you to do something. They can use that to get you to do something. To act upon something that is false. They can manipulate you. And next thing you know, you're hypnotized and you're doing crazy stuff. And guys who are really good at that, and there are guys that are naturally good at that. And there's guys who have studied that. And I've seen them, seen how it works. You know, up on the stage, and I've seen how it works, uh... In real life. I mean, the commercial media does it all the time. They get your attention and they put an idea in your head. Now it may float around in there and you, you don't do anything about it. You don't act upon it. But uh, commercials work. That's why they put billions of dollars into commercials. Because people are highly susceptible to suggestion. That's the beginning of hypnosis. They suggest an idea and it becomes familiar. And it's amazing how much this is so. There are people like uh, Jordan Peterson who talks about the psychology of this and how we can be influenced and everything. And But it's amazing also that somebody as smart and as bright as uh, Jordan Peterson can have huge areas of his own life where there's a blind spot, where he can be manipulated, where he can get to be coerced or psychologically into doing something that he should know isn't a good idea. And actually recently he's admitted it because he suffered from that. And now he's, I guess he's writing another self-help book. Uh, and uh, I actually heard Anomaly, those of you who may know who Anomaly is, he spells it with a, a zero in the place of an O in his name. You can find him on Facebook. And he's a hip-hop artist. But he's actually, I find it fascinating because I've watched his progress and his passion changing him from one person to the next. Now, he's still vulnerable. We're all still vulnerable. He can still make mistakes. He can still be confused about things. 
And he was talking about Jordan Peterson the other day in one of his rants. He has a lot more rants than he used to have. And that's that's a dangerous sign. Maybe we'll watch him progress around those rants, too, <laughs> just like we saw him progress. You know, that's that's why I find him fascinating as an individual is because I've seen him progress where his ideas went from liberal to conservative, voting for Trump. And not that Trump is your salvation by any means, but he was willing to change the way he thought about things when he was confronted with the facts. But here's the problem, is that some facts you can't see because there are ideas in your mind that are already in there that make you vulnerable. And uh, that's, that's the key, is which ideas are those? What do you believe that just ain't so? That's not true. And how do we get rid of it? And what lever do we use? And where do we put the fulcrum to pry out that information that is in our minds already that just ain't so? It's not true. And we, But we accept it as true. We don't maybe act upon it, but somebody can use it to manipulate our thinking because we believe things that aren't true. So we're big in looking for the truth. I personally, that's been my journey to look for the truth. I had lots of ideas originally when I was growing up that this was true and that was true. And and I discovered they're not true. I was willing to look and see that they're not true. Now, that's great in my own life. But here's a question that I should ask every day. You should ask every day. We all should ask every day. What don't we see? You know, I can see that this person doesn't see that, and that person doesn't see this over here. But that doesn't necessarily help me. I might be able to help them if I can point that out in a way that they will trust me long enough to take a look for themselves. It doesn't do any good for me to tell them they're wrong unless they're willing to look at it and examine and admit that they were wrong. Unfortunately, most arguments end up being trying to prove the other guy wrong so that you can appear right. That's not what Christ came to do. That's why he wasn't picking on the Pharisees that much, at least at the beginning. I mean, he told them right out that he was going to take the kingdom away from them and give it to another. But, uh, and this is why when some of the first miracles that he performed... He told them to go and tell the priests. And you say, well, a priest, that has to do with religion. We have to remember in Judea, the government was 80% of the government, 60, 70% of the government was the priests. Was the, uh, the, uh, at that time, I could say hierarchy of Judaism. Because all welfare was handled through the priests. The problem was that the priests became a part of the government, the the right hand of government. Now, what was the right hand of government? Well, that was the kings, kings like King Herod. Well, go back to what I was talking about at the beginning when we first opened up this show. And if you go back to King Herod, you have to go back to King Saul, because he was the first king 
in, in Israel. And when the people cried out and wanted a king in Israel, that's when God said, when you cry out, I will not hear you. So that's the beginning of the deafness of God to the prayers of Israel. He wasn't going to hear the prayers of Israel because they wanted to have a king. But the beginning of their blindness was when they wanted to have a king. So that's the beginning. Now it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew, which is why Samuel said that if you want to have a king, a chief executive officer, a, a, you know, a commander in chief to fight your battles for you, he's going to take and 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 take. And when you cry out, I'm not going to hear you. So I talked about it last week, what you, and I talked about it a little bit in a video I just put up on our YouTube channel. His Holy Church uh, has a YouTube channel. You can look for that. And uh, I just put up a video that kind of helped a lot of the newcomers to the network. A lot of people just joined the network. And uh, to help them kind of get their footing as to how to look around. We've got a lot of websites. We've got a lot of web pages. And so then they have huge amounts of information. And we welcome criticism if people can find things that aren't true. Uh, we'd love to hear it uh, because we we want to promote the truth and and we we want criticism but it has to be you know like constructive criticism it's got got you have to deal with the facts you can't say that that's not true because that's not what I was taught when I was eight years old or nine years old or thirty six years old or heard in the Khan Academy or whatever. That's, that's not, that's not proof. That's your opinion. And that's, uh, you know, it's amazing to me the whole vaccination thing is that, uh, uh, I've had a conversation recently with a lot of people in the local community, uh, and then the communities around about us here out in the high deserts. And there are a certain number of people that think vaccinations have kept them safe from things like polio. Polio, I mean, the the present flu that's going around, it has about a 50% asymptomatic occurrence. In other words, 50% of the people who get the flu will show little or no symptoms. At least that's that's what the studies seem to show. Little or no symptoms. They don't even know that they had the flu. But they start generating antibodies. First, the primary antibodies, and then as you go along, then you start producing what they call latent antibodies. And that keeps you safe. Those antibodies keep you safe. It's, vaccines don't keep you safe. Vaccines are simply trying to stimulate your immune system to produce antibodies. That's what vaccines do. Vaccines don't protect you. They get you to protect you in advance, supposedly, of being confronted with the disease. And that's what truth does. Truth protects you in advance to the lie. Because that's what a, that's what a virus is. It's a lie. It's something, it's an exosome pretending to be an exosome that your body should replicate. But it's not. It's a foreign exosome 
that can produce an adverse reaction in your body. And that's what we call disease, that adverse reaction in your body. It's not the exosome, the virus. It's the adverse reaction that you call disease. And so that's, the lie is not the problem. The fact is the lie has a place in your mind. That's the problem. And it has a place in your mind because there's another lie already in there that you've accepted as true that just ain't so. You see how that works? <laughs> yeah, lies need other lies to work. And lies often depend upon a lot of truth. And a good lie is full of truth. It's just not the whole truth. And that's where they get you. Is it's not the whole truth. And that's why your body replicates a virus like COVID. It's because it's a lot like an exosome that your body would normally reproduce. Those little spikes are counterfeit to look like something that your body would reproduce. And so your body replicates that, and that's where you start getting sick. Once your body learns, oops, don't replicate this, then you won't get sick. It may be in you, but you won't get sick. Well, it's the same way with the truth. The more truth that is within you, the more truth that you're replicating in your life, the less the lie will have a place to get a hold in your life. This is why Christ said, it's not and those who say, Lord, Lord, not those who study the catechism, not those who read the Bible, but those who are doers of the word. Because when you're a doer of the word, you're replicating the truth. You're putting into action what is true. You know, like forgiveness. If you don't actually forgive somebody, you just say you forgive somebody. You may even fool yourself into thinking that you've forgiven somebody. But, you see, this is where, you know, like if you have a fight with somebody and then you won't look at them. You say, well, I've forgiven them, but I don't want to have anything. I don't want to look at them. You haven't forgiven them. You can walk into the room full of your enemies if you have really forgiven them. And if you really forgiven them, you will also be able to really love them. And you can walk into a room full of your enemies and they will leave. (laughs) You won't leave. They will leave. Because your love is like hot coals upon their heads. Now, if you're going in there to love them, to put hot coals on their head, then there's probably some vengeance in your heart. So that's not real love either. So anyway, you know, you can't fake real love. It has to be real love. Real love is like a candle. It's like a light bulb. Christ used a candle. You know, but the fact is, is we can, we can use, you know, a 500 watt beam as a, as an example of the love that you want to have. A laser. <laughs> that we can use that terminology. But that's what real love is. And the fact is, is it doesn't just work with your enemies. It also works with your loved ones. Your brothers. Your sisters, your fiance, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. 
It all works with them too. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we we went through that first half hour, and uh, which wasn't quite a half hour, but we went through that, and we got all the way up to love is a light, a candle uh, that shines out of your soul and through your eyes, through your heart, through your body, through your actions. It sets out this pattern. Now, all kinds of love. My cat loves birds, uh, but loves them to death. Because uh, that kind of love is a love of desire. And love of desire bringeth death. It consumes. It uh, it is It is not the love you're looking for. The love of Christ gives life. It doesn't consume. To the evil ones who desire to devour, the love of Christ is like a laser, uh, a ray gun. Now, to some, it's like, you know, they're phasers on stun. But to some, it will burn a hole right through them, and they avoid it. They leave. They don't like that love. It hurts them. So, what you want, if you're going to put on the full armor of God, you want to have your phasers on full, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> so that uh, you can fight off the enemy. Now, the, here's the, the amazing thing. You know, I mentioned Anomaly. I love to watch his career as he goes, because I see, you know, uh, that in him, he's not too far from the kingdom. And you can see him progressing as he begins to see the truth about things that he once believed that he now no longer believes. He was willing to change. He was willing to handle the truth. But now, I, I recently, just actually yesterday, he had a rant. Now, I guess it went on for two hours, one of these live uh Facebook thing, but I, I don't, I can't watch it for two hours, but I get the gist of it. I see, I see the, as he begins, and, uh, you know, he's talking about, he brought up that, like I said, Jordan Peterson, and, uh, I'm, I'm starting to look at, we've wanted to do this for a while, we're gonna go back and we're gonna do some, uh, uh, hopefully we'll do some videos, God willing, uh, to, uh, look at some of the things that he does not see, because he wants to see, and I've watched his progression over the years too, and he talks about his progression even before I knew him. I mean, he started out a socialist, almost a communist, and uh, got into universities and everything, and had lots of ideas and thrown out ideas about Christianity and everything. But then as he began to get closer and closer to some of these things that he thought was good, he started realizing that's not so good. And he was willing to take a stand against that. You know, he's a very sensitive person. And so, therefore, you know, when he was, unfortunately, in some cases, when he was in a room full of his enemies, he left. I would like to see him get to the stage, and to some degree he's already done this, get to the stage where when he enters a room, the evil leaves. And the way to do that is to love your enemy. And uh, 
I can see him struggle with that. And because he struggles with that, he has these blind spots. And because he has these blind spots, he struggles with that. You know, it's a, it's a cycle. And this is the way it often is in psychology in the, of the mind, is that you, you create, if, if you allow the wind, you will create the whirlwind. If you, if you see the wind, you will create the whirlwind. And that's what we see going on in the world today. That's why we have all those riots and, and, uh, the insanity of Hollywood, uh, is because we've accepted lies. We've been infested with the virus of lies. And, uh, we have replicated those lies. And Hollywood is big at replicating those lies. But the problem isn't that they are replicating the lies. It's that we let the lies get into us. We accept ideas as true that just ain't so. And anybody who wonders why I keep quoting that, that's from an old Mark Twain quote. That, you know, it's it's not so much what you don't know that hurts you, it's what you absolutely know is true that just ain't so that gets you into trouble. But... Uh, the reality is Mark Twain got that from somebody else. Uh, assumedly, uh, based on some of the uh, his notes, that he got it from a plumber. <laughs> so, <laughs> the wisdom of the ages often comes from men who work with their hands. Because it's about doing. If you don't turn your love into doing, you won't learn how to love like Christ. Because Christ was a doer. And that's why he could create miracles or perform miracles. We call that performing miracles. It's actually why miracles actually just occurred around him that he didn't even perform. What am I talking about? Well, the, the lady who had been sick for years and going to doctors until all her money was gone. Something we can see happening every day today in the world. She believed that if she just touched his garment, she would be healed. And she touched his garment. And she was healed. And he had to turn around and say, Who touched me? How in the world did that work? Jesus didn't do it. It was done through Jesus, but Jesus didn't do it. You see, because the light of Jesus goes in all directions. And sometimes we have to almost hypnotize ourselves into thinking that if I touch his garment... I will be healed. Now the Roman centurion, he had even more faith. He said, he knew he had to ask. Because that's what, that's the rule. That's in the book. Ask and you shall receive. So he knew he had to ask. And he asked that his servant be healed. But he knew. I don't need to touch Jesus' garment. My servant doesn't need to touch Jesus' garment. My servant doesn't need to be touched by Jesus. That he can just be healed. If Jesus allows it to take place. That's true today. Right now. I don't need to touch you. You don't need to talk to me. You know, I try to make myself available to a lot of people. But, you know, like I I look at all the emails that I've got sitting in my... uh, Inbox that people want me to answer. People who could be on the network talking with one another. See, Christ came to touch the hearts of others. 
That's why he came. That you might be saved by the touch of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, which descended upon him, whatever that means. Just not draw too many pictures to put in your catechism book with that. But that Holy Spirit needs to descend on you and amongst you. And this is what happened at, at Pentecost with the 120 in the upper room that the Holy Spirit descended upon all of them. Kind of a collective consciousness of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've created this network spread out all over the world in South Africa. I'll talk about a prophet from South Africa before the show's out, hopefully, if I get that far. That uh, we all start to receive the collective consciousness of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't get that from each other. But it's really good if you sit down in a room full of people that are starting to receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that that Anomaly was touched by the Holy Spirit, which has allowed him to see certain things that he did not see before. I believe that Jordan Peterson was touched by the Holy Spirit. I believe that the, the prophet from South Africa I just mentioned may have been touched by the Holy Spirit so that he could see things that he could not see before. But being touched by the Holy Spirit is not the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being touched by the Spirit, Holy Spirit doesn't mean all darkness is gone from your heart and your mind. That That's another story altogether. But that is our hope, that everybody will not only be touched by the Holy Spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not an emotional event. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit has worked in my life, I have been absolutely unemotional. Absolutely calm. Absolutely at peace. I didn't need to have an energized emotional experience. I'm not saying that you couldn't have the two at the same time. But I want you to be acutely aware of the fact that the Holy Spirit is not an emotional experience. It's a spiritual experience. There may be some emotion creeping along with it, but that's a... That's actually a side effect. One of the great side effects that you get with the touching of the Holy Spirit is you feel a weight lifted off of you. And I've heard that from many people. That's the way they describe it. A weight lifted off of you. How much does the soul weigh? How much does the soul and mind are often the same words in in the Hebrew. So how much does your thought weigh? <laughs> so... Just as there is a Holy Spirit, there is an unholy spirit. And the unholy spirit wants to get into your mind. And it does this by trying to appear as the Holy Spirit. This is one of the first spiritual experiences, dramatic spiritual experiences. I can remember when I began uh, really starting to wake up about 17. I mean, I had, you know, I can remember back when I was five and when I was seven and I, you know, uh, and I have these Kodak moments as I was growing up, and uh, 12 and 13 when I entered the seminary, that there were moments where I was made aware of things, and I didn't always understand them entirely, but I knew that they were important, and that these were important moments, 
And I did not turn my back on the truth that was being revealed to me. I didn't quite understand it in entirety because these these truthful moments are pieces of the in eternal kingdom of God. And so you don't see the whole thing at any one time. So these other people, they see something, but there's other things they don't see because darkness still dwells in them. And in that darkness is the soul of Satan or his minions that is not in uniformity to the light of God. As a matter of fact, they shun the light of God. They cannot receive the white light of God. They can receive maybe the greens and and, and oranges and the blue tints, <laughs> but they cannot receive the white light of God. Now, that's an analogy. That's a metaphor of the light of God is the whole truth. They can receive some truth, but not the whole truth. Well, if you're going to be a man or a woman who comes together in holy matrimony, you need to see the whole truth. Well, you don't. But God has designed man and woman to bring the whole truth into that union. That is the institution of God, is, is husband and wife. God instituted that in creation itself. We see it over and over and with almost every creature in the universe. There's a male and female. Now some can shift back and forth because they're, you know, I mean, like worms are asexual. They can, you know, they can, they can produce both. But we're not a worm. We're a different, although Christ refers to us as a worm. This worm will never die. So, that relationship of man and woman is created to allow us to receive the whole truth. And it does it partly by exposing the fact that we don't see the whole truth by the conflicting nature of man and woman. And, you know, like, uh, guys, are, young guys are often going around trying to figure out who they should marry. And, and young girls... Ponder the same question, and and Jordan Peterson has talked about uh, this this whole thing of deciding that, and you know, this old lobster psychology thing, you know, a dominance and and looking for who to breed with, and uh, and we have all these uh, triggers, but really, you don't want all the flesh and blood. To be triggering who you marry. You want something nobler in your relationship. Hopefully you want something nobler in your relationship than simply uh, sexual and dominant attractions of lobsters or worms. <laughs> you, you want uh, you want a enlightened spiritual uh, influence in that decision process of who to marry. And uh, there's an order in which it should be done. And people try to create, create rituals and uh, practices to to keep that order. Because you're dealing with a very powerful, uh, some of the most powerful uh, chemicals in the universe are hormones. That, uh, I mean, they can, they can move mountains on their own. But the reality is, is that you want to bring the Holy Spirit into that decision-making process. And that decision-making process, again, as the Holy Spirit rises in you, 
you become a beacon of the Holy Spirit. And if your spouse does not want to receive the Holy Spirit, that is rising up in you or shining out of your heart and eyes and life, they will flee. They, they, they don't like that light. You know, the moth goes to the light, but not to the light of Christ. They're driven away by the light of Christ. And so, you want to turn up the Holy Spirit in yourself during that process of seeking a husband or a wife. How do you do that? You also want to turn up that light in seeking a leader you might want to follow. Not a ruler. I don't recommend looking for rulers. We just talked about that in Samuel 8. You can go read Samuel 8. They were looking for a ruler. They wanted to appoint somebody to rule, to make things right, to fight their battles, to be their social justice warrior, their chief executive officer. That's not what you want. You don't want a ruler. You might want a leader, but a leader doesn't want to rule over you. And that's the big temptation. That's the whole three temptations of Christ is that the evil wanted him to desire to be a ruler. Christ did not want to be a ruler. He wanted to lead you to the righteousness of God. He didn't want to rule over you. I mean, this is a theme throughout the Bible. Gideon, Moses. When Moses was becoming a ruler, he fled Egypt. That's why he left Egypt, is because he was becoming a ruler. Gideon, I and my family will not rule over you. You know, so they're telling you that this is this is the big danger. David tried it many times and had to repent of his, you know, to number the people. To, to go and punish the guy who did not donate to his army. Uh, and this is, this is the temptation. And so, anyway, you need to have that same principle in looking for a wife or a husband. That you are not trying to rule over one another. You're just turning up the light of God in you. So how do you do that? Because I tell you, if you turn up the light of God and you, evil will walk away like a prowling tiger in the night. I knew a guy who was a prisoner of war in uh, uh, Malaysia, built the Malaysia Railroad, you know, the bridge on the River Kwai kind of railroad out there where everybody was dying. It was like the Road of Bones in uh, Malaysia for the Japanese and because uh, they killed a lot of people too. And, uh, but anyway, he, he ended up in a hut, uh, put there by a Japanese officer who brought him medicine because he saw something in him that he wanted to survive. He wanted to help it survive. So many people were dying around him all the time, but he secretly helped this one guy from Indonesia. He was a Dutch Indonesian guy who was captured almost before the war got started. <laughs> And survived all the way through the building of the Malaysian Railroad and eventually came to Europe and then America and was bearing witness to the many things that he saw. Yet there were things he did not see. 
I knew him, his son, and his, his grandson. And there were things they could not see. I want you to see the whole truth. I want everybody to see the whole truth. I want to see the whole truth. I probably don't see the whole truth now. But because I see it and talk to you doesn't mean you're going to see it. Because I see it and do a radio show or YouTube video doesn't mean you're going to see it. You're going to see it when you do what you need to do to see it, which is to set down the vanity that is the blinder that keeps you from seeing the truth. Your pride. Your arrogance. Your unforgiveness is what keeps you from seeing the truth and from turning up the light of the Holy Spirit in your life. So, humility is a real big thing. You can't really forgive people without humility. So, that's an important thing. And so, anomaly, see, I'm tying it all together. Anomaly with his ranting or raving, I can see anger. He wants to love everybody. Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I suppose he even wants to love Biden. He's pro-Trump now. But he also says something you don't hear a lot of pro-Trump people saying. He says, Trump's not going to save you. Now, he's pro-Trump. But he knows Trump's not going to save you. He says, you have to do it yourself. And he goes to his rant. I won't say the things that he said in his rant. They're kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it's not my not my style. I guess he gets away with it because he's a rapper. But uh, I wouldn't use that analogy myself. But the re- reality is he's coming down to the idea, you got to do it yourself. He's, they say, and he was talking about the, the mandates, because now they're coming out with a vaccine for a disease that we have a 99.9% survival rate from. Uh, almost nobody dies from COVID. They die from multiple morbidities they already have. They don't die from the flu. They die from those morbidities. When you get older and you have multiple morbidities, sometimes because you haven't taken care of yourself, sometimes just because you're older. The cold will kill you. Anything will kill you. Because you're in a weak and vulnerable state and we should try to protect those people to cling to life as long as possible. They don't need to be a part of herd immunity. Because they're older. You protect the elderly. That, that's part of the commandments. Love thy father and thy mother, especially when they get old. and Take care of them. It's humbling. It's very important part of that process of turning up the light. But, he's seen that people are, are thinking that Trump doesn't believe in forced vaccination. He will keep us from having... He says it doesn't make any difference. And anomaly is right. Trump's not for everybody wearing a mask, but they're still making you wear a mask. They're still arresting people on airplanes who don't put on masks. They're still running people out of stores who don't have masks. They're they're still going around shaming people who don't have masks. And why did they do that? Because they have worn the mask. And they want to justify the fact that they have worn the mask. Even though it does not stop the virus. We know it doesn't stop the virus and the top epidemiologists in the United, in the United States and in the world and researchers have said wearing the mask doesn't stop the virus. It may in some slight instances slow down the spread of the virus. 
But most of the mask wearing that we see today is not doing anything whatsoever to stop the virus and actually is causing greater and greater infection amongst people like, you know, medical workers. If you're wearing a mask when you first contract or begin to replicate, because you don't really contract, when you begin to replicate the virus in your body, your body is replicating the virus. That's how you get sick. You don't get sick by breathing in. You get sick by your body not knowing don't replicate this virus. And so if you're wearing a mask during that, you will self-inoculate yourself and you will get sicker than you would have if you weren't wearing a mask and you went out and got fresh air and exercised and ate right and didn't consume so many carbs and sugars and all kinds of other things that all attribute. And maybe you took, uh, you know... Uh, some zinc supplements or uh, uh, other things that, you know, vitamin C got. Of course, you can get vitamin D and C by going out and living life and living it wisely. But anyway, because they wore the mask, they have to justify wearing the mask. The, the hypnotic state, the, the mass hysteria. They believed the numbers. Millions and millions would die in, in the United States. All ended up being false. Two million people haven't died. That 255,000 people haven't died from coronavirus. It's very clear. The evidence is all right there. They don't want to see the evidence. But the truth is, what's posing as modern Christianity is not real Christianity. The truth is, the ministers of your Christian church are not ministers of Christ. And that's, that evidence is right before you that you could see, but you can't see because you've already accepted them and you want to believe that they are really ministers of Christ. They are salt that have lost their flavor. But anyway, Anomaly is right. Somebody's calling the church number. <laughs> Everybody should be listening to the radio show. They shouldn't be. <laughs> But anyway, uh, we're going to go to break again. When we come back, we're going to see how do you turn up your light to protect you not only against the unwise things that the world wants you to do, but to increase the flavor of the salt in your own heart and mind. And we'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that prophet who mentions Trump back in 2007 when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, if we look at Matthew thirteen sixteen, it says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What's he talking about? He goes on right after that, For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And then he goes and he talks about sowing the seeds. Heareth the word of the kingdom, understand it not. Then cometh the wicked one, that catches away that which was sown in the heart. This is he which received the seed, by the wayside, and he that received the seed into stony places, 
And, you know, he talks about the roots not getting into firm ground. What keeps the roots from getting into firm ground? You're not willing to see the truth. And it's the truth about yourself that you need to see. Your light, the seed of truth, grows in your heart. It doesn't do any good if it grows in other people's hearts. So if they have stony hearts, that's not what you should be looking at. You should be looking at the stones in your own heart and turning over the soil in your own heart. And, and he talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word and become unfruitful. You know, that was one of the things, you know, uh, we can think of Tevya who sings, you know, if I were a rich man. If you were a rich man, you might have done a lot worse things than Trump ever did. <laughs> Trump could be used for good. But that doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. Because Trump is not your salvation. Uh, your salvation is in your own heart and in your own mind. And that's where you need to go. So you can go read that parable yourself. It's in Matthew 13. Starts around verse 16, but you probably start right at verse 1. And, and try to read the context and see and ponder in your own heart and mind that parable of sowing the seed. Is there fertile ground? in your heart and your mind for the seeds of the kingdom and the righteousness of God? Or are you blocking them out because of vanity, unforgiveness? You know, I talked about if you, you know, looking for a spouse, forgiveness is something, if you don't learn it before you're married, you better learn it afterwards. (laughs) Because that's uh, that's what that game is all about. And it's also about sacrifice. Laying down your life daily. Not only for your spouse, but for your children. You know, I, I was telling somebody just the other day, the people who need people are not the luckiest people in the world, despite the song. Do not get your philosophies from Hollywood. Or the media. So, anyway, what... What is anomaly missing? Well, he's missing a lot of things. His passion. Uh, and, and I can see him trying to drag himself back to the forgiveness and everything. But he's right. Trump is not your salvation. You have to do it yourself. We have to do it ourselves. And he sees that. And he's saying that over and over again. Well, he should join our network. And it's not my net, but with the network of Christ. And of course he has a huge following and network and everything. But he says we have to do it ourselves. How do you do it yourself? How do you get organized? They're organized. I mean like this whole thing with the election. It's absolutely clear that there was fraud. There was cheating. There was abuse in the election process of the United States. That is not a secret. Does it change the outcome? I think it does, but I don't know. It's not my job. I'm not sitting on the court. Just like the the recent decision in the Supreme Court that uh, Cuomo's uh, regulations on religious gatherings was a violation of constitutionally guaranteed rights. So they can say Cuomo's orders don't stand. But he was careful to rescind those orders before 
they ruled and says that doesn't really matter because they're already in a yellow zone. Well, the fact that he's created a yellow zone is a violation of the constitutional order. And the fact is, I was I was correlating this to exactly what Paul was doing. People don't understand when Paul was tried with Agrippa and Festus, he won the case. He he had won, but he appealed it anyway to Rome. And they talked to him in that. But if you don't understand law and you read that in the Bible, you're not going to get it. He's appealing the case to Rome, but he's already won the case, so why are you appealing it to Rome? Because if Rome decides against you, you could be held in contempt of court, and, and Rome, the punishment could be even death. And it was risky to appeal to Rome. And he could appeal to Rome, not because he was a Roman citizen, but because he was Romeos. If you don't understand that, you've got some more studying to do. He was not a Roman citizen. He was Romeos. That doesn't mean a Roman citizen. A Roman citizen was not Romeos. Even the head of the cohort was not automatically Romeos. He had to pay an extra sum to become Romeos. If you were any kind of a centurion, you were a Roman citizen. But you were not Romeos. So unless you know what I'm talking about, you've got something to learn. And that what you learn may start to change your mind. And repentance, by definition, is a changing of the mind, which is why we wrote it. We wrote and explained this in great detail. But it's not going to do you any good to read the articles that we have up at hisholychurch.org and at preparingyou.com if you aren't willing to look at what you already believe that might not be true. The reason why you have to begin to realize that what you already thought was true was not true is that's a humbling process. I've already been through that. I'm still sure I have more humbling to go through. <laughs> that's, that, that's the nature of the game. It's an infinite kingdom. There's no end to the, the humiliations galore that we might uh, be exposed to. But it's not humiliation. It's humbling if you accept it. It's only humiliation when you don't accept it. And this is the same thing in your relationships of, with spouse. And, and your spouse and that relationship to make it work requires humility on the part of both of you. It certainly doesn't require dictatorship on the part of either of you. You both want to be subjecting yourself to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And that's the beginning of that process. And that should be the core of your courtship. So, what about your courtship with the rulers of the earth? We are supposed to, there is supposed to be another king, one Jesus. Trump is not supposed to be our salvation. Christ is. But there are many people who are voting for Trump, or even there are many people voting for Biden, who think they are Christians. Thinking something, don't make it so. So what's the truth? So anyway, I mentioned Anomaly. I mentioned uh, Jordan Peterson, and Jordan Peterson uh, is mentioned by Anomaly, and he's talking about the fact that when he read the 12 rules, that in which is one of the books of Jordan Peterson, which I've read, I actually listened to it a lot on... Uh, an audio, what do they call it, uh, you know, an audio book. Somebody set it up so I could listen to it, and then I, I, I lost it. I'm not good for listening to audio books. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm spending most of my time trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. But I can see they have a place. Uh, the fact is, is uh, yeah, he does talk about taking medication. That isn't the central core of his book. It's a minor little part. And it is a blind spot where he thought that medication, but he sees his whole family had a problem with depression. His father before him, himself, his daughter. They have now discovered that a lot of their problem with depression is related to autoimmune problems. Probably related to two things, genetics and vaccinations. But I couldn't say that for sure, but that would be a pretty good educated guess. They're resolving that with diet. And uh, and I only have my oldest children received any vaccination. Most of them received no vaccinations. But uh, at least my older daughter has had problems with autoimmune. Not not end of the world problems, not like uh, Kayla Peterson. Uh, but the reality is she has seen that and resolved a lot of that with diet. And it may have come from the fact that she got some vaccinations. It may be partly because we're we're very sensitive to the chemical. We're kind of the canary in the coal mine when it comes to chemicals around us. We can sense them, and we can uh, we're very sensitive to them. But the reality is, is uh, uh, she's resolving that, and in dealing with that problem, she is becoming more knowledgeable and can help more people. Anomaly was saying, well, now he wants to write another health book. And he's been down for almost three years because of the fact that he ended up with a pharmaceutical drug addiction. I've heard out of, and this is where I I, I love these guys, and uh, I pray for them. I heard out of his own mouth, Jordan Peterson, saying he should have known better than to follow the prescriptions that were being given to him. But he did blindly. Because he had already accepted an idea that he is coming to grips with. Just like he's on this road, this journey. I love the people that will take the journey. The people who sit back in their own imagination and think that they're taking uh, the journey are like the fool on the hill. Um, Not the one who uh, sees the world spinning round, but uh, the one who's contemplating his navel instead of actually putting the wisdom that God is giving you into action and allowing the seeds of the sowing of the kingdom to take sprout and growing up a wheat stalk by itself out in the uh, on the earth cannot stand it will get blown over it will get knocked down that's why wheat grows in fields because they absorb the wind as the wind waves through the fields, I've, I've worked out on wheat fields and flax fields in North Dakota, and you see them, especially when the flax is blooming uh, with the blue flowers, it's like an ocean when the waves of the wind blow through them. Because they are not to forsake the gathering together, and neither should you. You should gather together. And so this is why I say, don't just call me. Gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's why Christ commanded that we require that you gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because that allows for, eventually will allow for, the collective consciousness of the Holy Spirit. 
Evil wants to divide you. That's the first thing he talks about, how the wicked one will come and steal away because you're not rooting your relationships, whether it's with spouse or family or neighbor, in the process of the Holy Spirit, in the humility of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, humility of the Holy Spirit allows the roots to take deep uh, grow deeply into the soil of your own existence. And so, yeah, Jordan Peterson, uh, you know, he had a lot of problems I didn't have. I mean, his wife was dying of cancer. I probably have problems he doesn't have. And uh, he almost saw his daughter die a number of times and had all these traumas going on in his life and always had a problem with depression. But the Holy Spirit can make all that go away and heal that. In in the meantime, they could deal with it with diet. And his daughter, the daughter he saved, got off all those depressed antidepressant drugs. She got her father off them when he got addicted to them. And it's amazing what they did to do that. And hopefully he has learned a great deal and maybe he's ready to write another self-help book. And Anomaly should be careful, and I think he is, about judging them. The same as we might judge uh, people like uh, Ben Shapiro, who sees a lot of truth, but does not see all. He has blind spot, or Knowles, or uh, Carlos, or Liz Wheeler, or uh, Tucker Carlson, or any of these other people. Samson had his Delilah, and Achilles had his heel. Why was Achilles' heel was so dangerous? He, he was the son of a god. Well, we're all sons of God. But some of us are not faithful sons of God. But Achilles was dipped supposedly in oil, in anointing oil. And uh, his heel was not dipped in the oil. So that was his vulnerable spot. Samson had his vulnerable spot. Just like Shapiro has his vulnerable spot. His parasitical beliefs. And I'm sure Knowles has his and Liz Wheeler has hers. Lots of people do, and I do not count them out. I will listen to them, but I always listen to them with a bag of salt. And that salt is the Holy Spirit. You know, I actually listened sometimes to Trey Smith. I listened to him a long time ago when he was putting out things about Noah's Ark and stuff like that. And I find him fascinating. I love his hands waving around, his passion. I've seen the passion kind of dwindling at times in some of the things he does, but it's there. And I hope he is progressing. And uh, But I, I find him fascinating because I find people fascinating. I'm a people watcher. I look at, into the hearts of everybody and try to learn what they have to teach. Teach me. And then I look into my own heart. That's the important thing. But the, the dance of his hands when he's expressing things, that's Trey Smith. You can look him up on YouTube. I mean, he's a wild and crazy guy. But uh, he mentioned recently Ken Clemens, I think that's his name, who's a guy from South Africa. A guy supposedly who, uh, you know, he was taking drugs in a bar and somebody broke into the bathroom where he was to steal his drugs and stabbed him. And then he staggers out in the street and he's dying. His life is he's bleeding out. And he calls the name Jesus. Somewhere in his background, he, that came out of his mouth. And somebody stepped out of the darkness and and saved him. 
and began to witness to him, and then he became a preacher for the rest of his life, <laughs> going around prophesying everywhere and everything. And although I, I don't really know his preachings or anything, he did make a number of predictions. One of the things he predicted back in 2007 is that Trump would be the President of the United States. Well, there was nobody talking about Trump ever being President of the United States hardly back in 2007, but this guy predicted it and predicted that he would have two terms. Now, will he? Will he have two terms? People are always calling me and wanting me to give them prophecies and stuff like that. And I do see things in the future. And I have mentioned them here and there. But that's not my job. The kingdom of heaven is in the moment. I I want you to link up with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be touched by the Holy Spirit so much so that the Holy Spirit comes into you and you become that beacon on the hill that we are all supposed to be. But people want to hear from some prophet and that, that desire to hear from some prophet, prophet that gives them the edge, that makes you vulnerable to dictators and rulers because you're trying to put somebody up on a pedestal. You're trying to make somebody else king of your own soul and tell you what you need to know. The Holy Spirit is trying to tell you right now, but you're not listening because you're not humble enough. You're not forgiving enough. You need to be forgiving enough. To be the light in the room. And if, if, if your, uh, your friends do not want to see the life, the light of God that is being turned on in you, they will leave. You don't have to drive them away. They will leave. Because they can't stand the light. And those people who are looking for the light will gather around you. So in your attempt to gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, God will put into place the very thing that will filter out your society. Whether it's, you know, even in your own family. See that, now here's an interesting point. The demons, driving out the demons. Christ drove out demons out of people. And the demons actually said, you know, don't cast us into the pit. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to tell you. But, he cast them into pigs, and then the pigs immediately committed suicide. This is what the shooters do. We've talked about this before in detail. The the shooters who go to gun-free zones, that's where they go, so they can shoot people they don't even know and kill them and snuff out their life. They're not going to lay down their life. They're going to lay down your life. But when they're cornered, when they're threatened with annihilation, they annihilate themselves. They are filled with a destructive spirit. That's lurking around in your friends and your family, in your congregations, that destructive spirit. How do you get rid of that from your family? How do you protect your family from that? Do you throw yourself on the altar of Abraham and say, burn me up? No. You lay down your pride, your arrogance, your vanity. You forgive and you give of your life. And you turn up the light of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will drive that wickedness that has come for your sisters and your brothers and your neighbors. That's the way you drive out evil with the Holy Spirit. With that light. With the the lasers and uh, phasers of Christ. Which is forgiveness. But Clemens, you know, will will is he right? I don't know. I don't follow him as a prophet. I don't know. He might be a prophet. 
I've run into people that seem to be prophets. But I don't follow the prophet. I follow the spirit. And if he is a false prophet, God will reveal that in time. Following Christ is following the anointing. Following our vision of Jesus is our own imagination. We create Jesus in our minds by reading about Jesus. But that isn't the salt of the Holy Spirit. You know, Matthew 5, 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. Let the Holy Spirit in your life, if you think it's there, ask yourself, how good are you at forgiving? Can you turn up that light? I mean, that light was so bright in Moses at time, they said, put a cloth over your head. Christ could have turned the light up so much, and we see then in the, the part that they call the transfiguration, where he turns up the light. And uh, and the apostles see things. and want to erect an altar and all this stuff. The fact is, you are all stones of that altar. Don't erect outside images and churches and stuff like that. Turn up the light in your own heart. You don't have the power. The Holy Spirit listed where it will. The problem is, is that you're turning down the wick by your lack of forgiveness, your lack of patience, your lack of love. You want to mold other people instead of allow other people to be molded by the Holy Spirit. If you want to mold other people, that's not the Holy Spirit. If you want to manipulate them, control them, shame them, wear the mask, put on the garb, put on, you know, this, that, or the other thing, that the wedding garb is an internal garb. It's not an external garb. Numbers 18, 19. All the heave offering of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee. By a statute forever, it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. What's he talking about? Well, you read that before and after. The Levites. The Levites were the firstborn. The firstborn in every family is supposed to be the priest of that family. They're supposed to be turning up the light of God in that family. But the Levites were the firstborn of a nation. And God called them out as an institution. That was the second institution of God. The first is the family. The second was the Levites. And Jesus said, when he was high priest and king, I'm going to take the kingdom away from those Levites, and I'm going to give it to another set of men who will become the new Levites, which were the called out. That's what the church is supposed to be. We give you lots of examples of what that should look like. But what it really is, is the Holy Spirit. The Sanhedrin that Moses picked were men full of the Holy Spirit. The Sanhedrin that Christ picked were men full of the Holy Spirit. And then there was the twelve apostles. We should desire to know more about the Sanhedrin that he picked, the seventy. 
But the apostles also eventually were filled with the Holy Spirit, which included the 70 and the rest of the 120 in the upper room, which is probably, I don't know how that all works out. If you had uh, 12 apostles and each one uh, served 10 men, that would be 120. <laughs> yeah, that call we got was one of the ministers. He He didn't forget about the radio program. He just forgot it was... Saturday. I knew it was a church call because we have special ring. We have different numbers that you can call me with. And I'm not telling them on the air. Because what you need to do is join the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Join the network. Sit down with one another. Talk with one another. Don't try to rule over the minds of one another. Try to humble yourself so that the Holy Spirit rules over your mind. The Holy Spirit is... List is where it will, but it will not kick down the door of your heart. You have to knock and let the Holy Spirit in. And when he comes in, forgiveness will become a matter of course. Mark nine forty nine. For everyone shall be salted with fire. Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Sacrifice. I thought we just burned up sheep. You mean we're supposed to salt them? That sounds like it's a dinner. It's a meal. (laughs) That's that's what that always was. The sacrifices were always a meal. But anyway, John 9.39, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into the world, and they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. We want you to see. You need to seek the kingdom of God. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Anyway, I was telling you a little bit, I never really finished the story, that Paul appealed to Rome for a very good reason. And uh, because Paul could appeal to Rome because he was Romeos, not because he was a Roman citizen, because he was not a citizen of Rome. He was Romeos. He was from Tarsus in Cilicia. Uh, and when they say no mean city, the, the, there's a meaning in that. These are legal terms. Paul was a lawyer. If you don't understand legal terms at the time of Christ, then you probably don't understand Paul. It's not that difficult to understand, and we write a great deal about it. We go through Romans uh, and with, you know, we I don't know, we probably have a, almost 50 audios between Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and all these different uh, parts of the Bible so that you can understand Paul more and who he was and what he was up to. But he appealed to Rome because he had caused the death or been a part of the cause of the death of many Christians who originally were this kingdom. You remember Christ took the kingdom away from a group that claimed to be sitting in the seat of Moses. He could do that because he was both priest and high uh, high priest and king. And so therefore he was, he was the one who had the right to sit in the seat of Moses. But what did he do? He gave it back to you because he says unless you function in the seat of Moses as Moses intended, not as rulers, but leaders led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. You want Holy Spirit in your family, you have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and allow the Holy Spirit into your heart with humility. I've seen people who had all kinds of different ideas about this religion or that religion. They were Mormons or they were Seventh-day Adventists or they were Baptists. 
and they uh, they began to see something and they acted upon what they saw. And it opened up doors of understanding that they did not have before. But even Samson, like I said, had his Delilah. There are still dark places that we need, dark rooms in our own heart that we need to go into. And nothing like the family to bring that about. And nothing about congregating in a system of faith, hope, and charity to bring that about. And nothing like, uh, the, the, the tyrannical nature of the world and evil who comes in and sows these seeds in our field. They've sowed them in our children and our children's mind. How do you get them out of the children's mind? You don't. You turn up the light. That's what you do. You turn up the light. Many of those seeds will not even germinate in a field full of wheat. I, I plowed a field and planted triticale. Uh, and uh, uh, I was trying to mark where I had already driven. It was hard to see because it was a... It was a I didn't plow it so much as disc it. I disced it and disced it. And now I'm going over it with a cedar to plant in this triticale. And I couldn't always see where I had just drawn, you know, where I had just driven. And so I dragged a chain on one side of the cedar and another chain on the other side of the cedar. And so I could see where that chain made a groove in the ground. But when I went one direction, <laughs> it, you couldn't see it as clearly. And I missed a few spots. I went off just a little bit. Somebody who had seeded that field before me, before I took it over, uh, he missed his, what, what happened, I guess, is his cedar ran out of seed and he wasn't checking it regularly. And so there was a whole swath that he never put any seed in at all. And it just grew up solid weeds. But immediately next to it where we planted the triticale, the weeds didn't exist to the same degree. There were very, very few of the weeds. Because the triticale, the presence of the triticale, stifled the weeds. It sti- kept them from germinating even. And this is why you want to gather together. That's one of the things that Jordan Peterson, you know, choose your friends. Wisely. So you want to gather together, and I can guarantee you that whoever you gather together with in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, they will not be perfect. Just as your kings are not perfect, and just as Trump is not perfect. But all the more reason each of you have to turn up the light in your own congregations. Well, you need to do that, start that in your own families, and in your own relationships, as your sons and daughters grow up, and they begin to be chosen or choose spouses, They need to turn up the light of the Holy Spirit. Evidence of that light, that oil that burns, is forgiveness. It replenish, forgiveness replenishes itself when it's true forgiveness. It becomes easier and easier to forgive. Sacrifice. Sacrificing what you want and allowing others to make a choice as to what they want. Turn that up. Don't become a dictator. Become a blessing to others. Stand your ground, but become a blessing to others. And how that plays out, that we can go through a great deal of that. So in Matthew thirteen twenty three, But he that received the seeds into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. 
and therefore he also needs to act upon and so the very next line is which also beareth fruit bringeth forth some and hundredfold some sixty and some thirty so this is what you want to do is bringeth forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit in all your relationships with your community with your brothers and sisters and with your spouses and etc you do this by laying down your life not by controlling their life. Cursed is the man who leads the blind astray on the road. Then all the people shall say, Amen. So, that's what we have today in the modern church is that they, the modern Christian is saying it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods as long as you do it through governments that you have chosen for yourself. You have a right to choose a government for yourself, but you do not have a right to covet your neighbor's goods. You actually do have a right to covet your neighbor's goods, but not without the repercussions. If you covet your neighbor's goods, if you engage in covetous practices, you shall be made merchandise. You do not have a right to covet your neighbor's goods and not be made merchandise. And I am not going to show you the secret, secret way and how to stop being merchandise. Stop being owned by the state. You are owned by the state. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. But the way out of that is to repent, think differently, which we've just been talking about for almost two hours, and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That begins in your own heart and mind and in the relationship you have with your brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and daughters and sons and neighbors. In order to delve into those relationships, you should gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, which is why we created the network, so that you can find people in your local area that are beginning to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And then when you gather together, turn up the Holy Spirit, not by controlling one another and condemning one another, but in speaking the truth and being the light in the room. This is an agonizing process at times. It certainly was with Peter when he denied Christ. Deuteronomy 28-29 At midday you will grope about like a blind man in the dark. You will be unsuccessful in everything you do. Day after day you will be oppressed and robbed with no one to rescue you. Because you are here, if you are here in the name of Christ, that others might be saved. You do not have to drive people away. You let the light drive people away. You do not turn your back on others. You face danger. And the evil will flee before you. You know, I'm planning on doing, like I said, uh, going through the Bible uh, and I do that on a pretty regular basis and have a number of studies lined up for some of the minor prophets and we'll try to get to that. I'd like to start doing, you know, podcasts even beyond these radio broadcasts and uh, and cover a lot of this, but it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, there's only uh, 26 hours in a day. <laughs> so, and I have to sleep at least four of those. Uh, but anyway... Uh, yeah, I know there's not 26 hours in a day, uh, but uh, there's not eight days in a week either, but sometimes it seems like that. But anyway, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson, he's a big fan of Nietzsche. And uh, Nietzsche has uh, 
has said a number of things over the years that uh, that uh, a lot of people don't quite understand or or or, or comprehend. And uh, he wasn't right either. In some way, he was a genius and a prophet, but he wasn't wasn't right about everything. Uh, and he had a great deal of dark spots in his own heart, and it comes out in his life, you know, like he. He spent a little bit too much time in brothel. I don't know how much is enough, but uh, he shouldn't have spent any time in a brothel. And, of course, then he uh, contracted venereal diseases. And uh, that led to some of the crazy stuff that went on probably in his life. But the reality is we can get a lot of diseased ideas in our own mind. We can get it from the religions that are going about today that are saying that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of government. And men who exercise authority one over the other. It is not okay. It is not righteous. It is not a good thing to do. And uh, we should be careful as to how we do these things and think these thoughts. Because we're letting toxic viral poisons into our minds when we accept those ideas. It's very clear that we are not to be engaged in covetous practices. It's very clear that we are to love one another, using a word that means charity, to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And like we see the early church doing through a daily ministration uh, that is based on faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and fealty, which is how the world does it. Because Christ's kingdom is not of the world. You can tell me that you have no king but Jesus, but if you're looking for the governments of the world to solve all your problems, you're looking into the abyss. And that's one of the things that Frederick Nietzsche said, is beware that when fighting monsters, you yourself do not become a monster. For when you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. And that is, of course, where we're at today, is that people think that Trump is their salvation, or or Trudeau, or Putin, or whoever they have chosen as a leader. Or me. I am not your salvation. I am not your ruler. You know... The same, you know, God allowed man to be the ruler of his household so that he would learn not to rule over his household, but to rule in righteousness with the laser light of God, driving out the evil hearts that sneak in and try to snatch away our sons and daughters. You need to up the light of the Holy Spirit, turn up the lamp. With more forgiveness. If you, if you want to be free in this world, one of the key elements to that is to set your neighbor free from the force, fear, and fealty that is a part of the covetous practices of the world. Because your priests are all down at the welfare office and the social security office and, uh, the, your vote counters. Those are the priests of your dominion. And they are liars. And they are thieves. And they are robbers. But Christ appointed a dominion called the church. But they do not exercise authority over you because that is part of the principles of the kingdom. 
what uh, Adam needed to learn was to not let his wife subtly exercise authority over his choices. He did. And that was the fall of man. He is not redeemed by becoming a tyrant in his own family, but by becoming the light, the candle on the lampstand in his own family. And that's what his sons and daughters should learn from him. And that's what we should bring to our congregations. And then the Holy Spirit will enter into us as they did at Pentecost for the apostles and the 120 in the upper room. And they became the collective consciousness of Christ. And then when they went out and those who would receive that light became the early church. And the early church had a daily ministration that reached all over the world as we should do all over the world today. For those in South Africa, those in Australia, those in South America, those in Europe, those in the U.S., those in Canada should all be part of a single network that is not based on force and fear and fealty, but in faith and hope and charity. That is what seeking the kingdom is all about. And there is a dominion to that. So you can go join at our His Holy Church uh, YouTube and see the new video that I put out. I didn't send it out to the whole network, although I notice a few ministers are sharing it here and there already. Uh, because they were already subscribers. Don't forget to subscribe to His Holy Church uh, YouTube and start. There's lots of videos there now that you can look at. But uh, also, join us on the network. Learn and find a congregation as close to you as possible. You still may have to call them because we're spread out everywhere. And that is part of the design of God. There is a way, which we explain in the video, that that spreading out, those thousand points of light, become can become 144,000 points of light. But we are not the source of that light. The Holy Spirit is. So I just talked for two hours about how to turn up the Holy Spirit in your own life. And of course, it's nothing that secret or mysterious. The keys to the kingdom of heaven is what you bind on earth and what you loose on earth. And what you bind in heaven and what you loose on heaven, in heaven. And you do that by what you bind on earth and loose on earth. (laughs) So, how you treat one another, is it by faith, hope, and charity, or by force, fear, and fealty? Do you covet your neighbor's goods? Do you covet the control of your neighbor, your spouse, your sister, your brother, your father, your mother, your children? Do you want to be a ruler and a dictator? The mark of the beast is that desire to be the beast. To control others. It's a spiritual battle. Yes, it's manifesting. The beast is here. Most people already have the mark. It's not, they're not condemned by that. It's the prophets of the beast, which is what I was explaining. Cursed be the man who leads the blind astray on the road. We should not lead people astray. We should lead them to the light. Well, you have to have the light (laughs) to lead them to the light. You have to be the light on the lampstand. So gather together and be that light. And when others challenge you, receive their challenge with love and forgiveness. 
Bless them that challenge you. Bless them that even curse you. Because they give you the opportunity of manifesting the light of God. God won't, God will turn up the light. You allow the light to be turned up with your forgiveness. When you judge others and don't forgive others, try to control others, you usurp God. Stop usurping God and let freedom reign. We are to gather together in the perfect law of liberty. There is a mystical process in all this. Many of you will, might, some of you might see a glimpse of it as I'm talking. And then you'll try to remember it. And then you'll have it. Now, what did he say? What, what, what was that? You know. The reality is, is that it's not an intellectual thing any more than it's an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. And the Spirit listeth where it wills. You want to turn up the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life. Not the Spirit of control. Not the Spirit of judgment. Not the Spirit of wickedness. Evil wants to turn that up in you, in your children, in your neighbor. And your only defense is the Holy Spirit. That is your comforter. That is what will make you safe. That is what will make your loved ones safe. Now, how do you do that? Your mind is all active, and that's why we teach meditation as well. Well, before we get to the end of the this show, I will tell you that at Preparing You, I added another page. I thought we might get to it. Maybe we'll get to it in the afternoon show. And it's on freedom of religion. So you can look up freedom of religion at preparingyou.com and you'll see the article. And it's a, it's a challenging some of the ideas that were in a PragerU video, which is linked. I don't put it on there, but there's a link to it so you can go see that. But it's by, uh, Kelly Shackleford, who is trying to defend the freedom of religion. But he thinks freedom of religion is the freedom of thought. But the freedom of religion is not, religion is not a thought. Religion is not an idea. Religion is a practice. Threskia, the Greek word religion, means what you do. And we've just touched on that for two hours. What you do. Are you trying to control others, manipulate others, mold others to fit what you desire as if you are George Bernard Shaw and writing the book Pygmalion? George Bernard Shaw was horrible, horrible. Uh, philosopher, great writer, loved the story Pygmalion. Loved, uh, you know, uh, the, even the remakes of it, uh, uh, first with Wendy Hiller, uh, and then later, uh, My Fair Lady, uh, is based on that story. Great story, great story writer, but that guy was crazy nuts when it comes to uh, eugenics and communism and socialism and but if you look at his private life it was a mess so anyway in the article freedom of religion uh kelly shackleford doesn't understand what religion is and and i'm i'm not picking on the guy but i said he should have read less of thomas Paine and more of davy crockett (laughs) and there's a reason why i say that people said davy crockett why davy crockett well, you'd be surprised why Davy Crockett is so much more important than Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine, his life was a mess as well. 
Couldn't stay with his family. Couldn't stay with his girlfriend. Uh, That was his problem. And it it followed him until his old age. But I love to watch the progress of his life. At one time, he wanted to impose property tax to take care of the elderly, kind of like the Social Security tax. I mean, he would have jumped right in with FDR's plan. But the reality is, is that even though he was trying to propose this, he repented of it. And uh, even though he was in dire straits at the time, people pulled him out because there was good in the guy. And there's good in all of you. And there's darkness in all of you. If you want to turn up the light, you have to see the darkness and let the light into those dark recesses of your own heart. Meditation is a good way to do that, but it's just an exercise. Just like weightlifting is a good way to strengthen your muscles. But it doesn't tell you what to do with your muscles. The Holy Spirit tells you what to do with that. And if forgiveness is not at the core of what you do with the muscles, either mentally or physically, that God has given you, then you're going to have a problem. Because God's going to have a problem with you. Because your lack of forgiveness cuts off the wick of God. The righteousness of God. Your lack of forgiveness, your desire to control others is what cuts you off and makes you a blind man. And you do not want to be a blind man if you want to have a family someday. You want to be one of those men who see. And so all our writings are are, are constantly kind of poking our head above the sea where the waves are tossing to and fro and trying to give you little glimpses of that truth, to touch your heart with the truth, an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the way of the rule of force is destructive. But having desire benefits from those you have a relationship and compromising your faith and what you know in your heart is right in order to appease the relationship of others will strangle the life and light of Christ and your phasers will all go dead. (laughs) So, anyway, until then... Join us on the network. Peace on your house. May God be with you and with your spirit. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.